0: Welcome to Color Him Dads with hosts Marvin and Jeanette Charles. Marvin, Jeanette, and their guests are here to provide tools to struggling fathers that will help them navigate systems and overcome challenges they face, attempting to enter or re-enter the lives of their children and families. They're here to inform, encourage, and bring hope as they confront the epidemic of fatherlessness head on. Now, here are Marvin and Jeanette. Here we are with our 11th episode. I know that uh, when we started, I didn't see that coming, but um, today I'm really excited to bring to you uh, Color Him Dads, um, our 11th episode. And today in the studio, we have uh, a couple of guests who... um, To be really honest with you, I just met them. And uh, (laughs) it's like I've been knowing them all my life and the work they do. So I'm encouraged and uh, enthused about um, these two people, um, Marquise Dennis and his lovely bride, Crystal Dennis. And um, this is like, I don't know, it's like I... Today is my birthday because I got a a, a new <laughs> son and daughter to be, hey. to, be to be to uh, be introducing the world to. Um, yeah. They they run a fathering program in Oklahoma, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma to be exact, and they um their their program is called Birthright Legacy Living Legacy. Did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, Birthright okay, okay. all right. And so I want to just um, we're just gonna talk about. Um, fathering. And um, um, that's our Color Him Dad show. We talk fatherhood. We talk about the things that work, the things that don't work. We're not really specific about anything. We just, you know, we color him dads. So um, I want to, without any further ado, uh, introduce Crystal and Marquise Dennis to you and let them talk a little bit about Uh, Levin Legacy, Birthright Living Legacy, and what they're able to do and what they bring to the table. And then um, I want to kind of, they have a remarkable story, remarkable testimony, and and I want to be able to get into a little bit of that as well. So uh, without any further ado, (laughs) let me introduce Marquise and Crystal
1: Dennis to you. Good morning. Hello. Thank you so much
2: for having us.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm just... Uh, Dad, I appreciate that introduction. <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. Super excited. And this is an honor to be here. Yeah. It's yeah. an honor to have you, man. Um, I'm
0: just so excited. I've, we've just spent the last four days um, with you, my wife, my team here at Dad's. You know, we... We found it to be like having family, yeah. you know what I mean, around. And, and you guys have a remarkable story, man. You know, it's, it's, it's neck and neck with my own story. Nah. You know what I'm
1: saying? <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll take the LeBron seat or the Kobe seat, but you definitely Jordan out there. <laughs> you yeah. definitely got the Jordan story out this thing. Oh, uh, I
0: appreciate
1: that. Well, listen.
0: We're going to let the audience be judge of that, okay? And so I'm going to leave the ball in your court. I don't know if you want to tell Crystal's story, tell yours, or tell both of them together. I'm not sure how you want to do it, but I'm sure that the audience need to hear both of you, and then we'll let them be the judge of that,
1: okay? Well, hey, I will definitely introduce... Uh, the woman of the hour, the uh the reason for the season, my rib, ladies and gentlemen, put it together for Mrs. Crystal Dennis. <laughs>
2: Oh, you lavish me! I'm surprised you didn't throw light-skinned wonder in there. I mean, you
1: know, I didn't want to throw too much. There you oh, go. So that's, that's <laughs> I, I usually every introduce time her as a light-skinned you. wonder. Oh, you know is that you right? <laughs> it was. It was all good till somebody said it on the streets. It was like, aren't you the light-skinned wonder? She was like, really? Oh, that's cool. That's
0: cool.
2: Oh no, but I'll I'll take it. It's all love. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, well, yeah. So. As already introduced, Crystal Dennis. I am married to this wonderful man. We've been married for three years and we have a one-year-old son. He will be two at the end of this month, so that's exciting, Mm -hmm. Uh, who is currently sleeping in the other room. So uh, (laughs) if you see me checking my watch, just know I'm I'm checking on my son. But fatherhood is something that's near and dear to my husband because both of our journeys have taken us on such a unique path where we have to look back and and really do some internal thinking and evaluating and trying to figure out okay where did we come from so that way we're not walking forward with all these holes and and wounds in our hearts that we're trying to fill with other things because the 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 power is in the knowledge is in an understanding and knowing so you can put your best foot forward um, so for me that really took place when I really need to remember the year I always want to say when I'm 23 like y'all know how old I am right Mm. now Um, (laughs) so I'll say I think it was 2017 I was at work and I got a phone call and the man on the other end had asked me if I had any family in Dallas, Oregon. And now I come from a broken home. I grew up with my mother. My dad wasn't in the picture um, as far as my memories go back. Now he was at one point married to my mother, uh, but like I said, as far as I can remember back, I don't have really any memories of him. Um, so really, just grew up with my mom, and I have five half sisters through her. So when you ask me that question, I don't even know how to begin to answer that. Mm. And so I'm stuck like ah and. And then also it's the police so you know what I mean I don't know what I want to admit to <laughs> so, so I'm waiting I'm, I'm a little nervous and I'm like okay well what is that you know what do you mean and he's like well do you know um, Myron DeVos and I thought whoa you know in that moment like my whole world shut down I knew that was the name of my father but I don't know him you know what I mean but I knew whatever was on the end of this phone I wanted it there was just this burning desire like this is your opportunity get your information you know utilize whatever you can and so I'm like yeah well you know I can't say that I know him but I do know that's my father and he said all right well um I need to let you know that he's passed away uh you're his sole survivor next of kin so my job is just to notify you and and let you know and you know he kind of was gonna wrap up the conversation. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm perplexed. I'm trying to process all this. And, and like I said, I just know I need more. And so I'm like, wait, wait, you know, hold up. Let me get some more information. You know, where, where was he staying? How can I find out more? So he gives me the number to the property manager where he had resided. And so I immediately get on the phone with him and, you know, start asking questions. And lo and behold, next thing I knew, I was uh, booked a ticket to Dallas, Oregon from Tulsa, Oklahoma to follow out that weekend. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I'm going to be real. My thought was, if this man had nobody else in his life, that I, someone who he didn't even know had to be called, The least I can do is go and take care of his estate. You know what I mean? We may not have had that relationship, but he is my father. He did create half of me, you know, and I would help my neighbor. I would help a stranger. So, of course, I'm going to go help him. Um, And so... It was really the, the good Samaritan act, honestly. I can't say it was like, oh, this nostalgic, ah, father-daughter moment, you know. Um, but as I'm, as I'm boarding the plane, I get a text message from the property manager. And because I guess I was in transition of that, you know, airplane mode, it, I just got the message without the picture that said, hey, I had them remove this from his body before they took him, and I'm thinking, oh man, what is on the other end of this picture, you know? So it really, I'm very grateful that I had that time because it really gave my heart and my mind time to to come together and get mm. succinct on mm. what am I doing? Take a breath, you just went through a lot. What I didn't mention is my father passed away on my birthday. And so there's just a lot hidden, you know mm. what I mean, in this mm. in this plane ride. And so I land, I get the picture, and it's a picture of a dog tag that says, Crystal DeBose, I've always loved and missed you. Mm. When I tell you my world stops spinning, people talk about those outer body experiences like that was it for me. Like, what? You know what I mean? No, I'm just here to I'm just here to do the good thing. You know, I wasn't expecting to get closure or to get get what I got, you know. So now things shift and I'm like, I don't know what I'm walking into. I get the keys and I remember just sitting on his front porch. I couldn't go in because I was ready to help a stranger. I wasn't ready to meet my father. And so I walk in and there's baby pictures of me everywhere. Every wall is covered. There's there's numerous, n- a number of m- amount of papers that are have my name, my date of birth, and my social written on them. I go into his room, and there's a box in his top shelf, and it says, Crystal DeBose. And you know what I mean? Like, already, you're, you're having this, like, outer body, you're like, what is happening moment? And then now you see your own name in this house of a stranger who you never knew. Wow. And so I pull that box down, and it's kids' gifts for me from, like, I mean, toddler years all the way through through, Mm. you know, early teen years, jewelry, all kinds of things. And so now I'm processing, like, what is, who is this man? Because this, I grew up being told, you know, he hated you, never loved you, never wanted you. Why would I believe anything else if he was never in the Mm. picture? You know, Mm. as far as I'm concerned, he never really uh, fought for me. He never, he never came back. I don't, you know, I have no recollection. And so I'm walking through his house stunned, you know, just, just, ah, And it probably, I want to say about an hour and a half, I'm just pacing. I have no clue what I'm doing. And by the end of it, I was like, wow, I love you, dad, in the most organic and genuine way. Never have I ever uttered those words ever in my life. Dad was just not something I was interested in having a role for because I didn't have one. The one that I thought I did have didn't want me, you know, um, so anyways, I'm going through, I'm taking care of his estate, and I'm thinking, okay, what, what are the legal parameters I got to do? Get a lawyer, take care of the funeral service, things like that, get all these death certificates so I can try and get some medical background even, you know? And so I'm walking in these places of business trying to close accounts, and I'm ready to show the birth certificate and my ID, and all I say is, hey, my father passed away, and people are like, oh, Myron's dead? Mind you, this man knew nothing about me. He see me when I was a toddler and that was it. He had no pictures of me. He didn't know where I was yet. Every local in his town knew exactly who I was mm. because this man made it mm. evident that he had a daughter that he loved, cherished, and missed. Mm. And so as I'm as I'm trying to close these accounts, really I'm getting to know my father through this, mm. you know. I find out he has his own parenthood journey. He ran away from his house when he was 16. His mom shot a gun at him. He never knew his father, you know? And so we begin to see how that fatherlessness trickles down through lineage. Mm. And and so that really is just my passion and my motivation because I'm like, before that, I thought, even though I had probably about a year and a half I was a believer, I thought genuinely God can make people incapable of love and that's just what helps them go through the tough things. And so I thought, cool, let's do it. You know, not forgetting, of course, God is love. And so when God shattered my heart in that moment, It was like I was reunited with the little girl that I was before Mm -hmm. the world started to shift me and I could organically love. And for the first time in my life, I felt organically loved, not because Mm -hmm. of what I brought to the table or what I could do, but because I was Crystal DeVos.
1: You know, Marvin, that just her telling the story when she had that moment sitting on, you know, to be like, Dad, I love you. It just reminds me of your story, like when you hugged your mom for the first time mm. to say, I waited my whole life for, for that this hell. hug. Yes. Well, I was gonna say, you know,
0: Crystal, the, the, I usually start this podcast off asking somebody to tell your fatherhood story. And I'm glad I didn't ask you that, because you told it, but that is like above and beyond any fatherhood story that I could ask anybody. You know mm. what I mean? Because most of us are used to the disappointment Mm. aspect of fatherhood right but but this wasn't a disappointment
2: as a fatherhood. you know what i mean
0: and so i'm just um i'm emphatic about how fatherhood there is this journey within fatherhood that's really pleasing and a blessing to the heart Mm -hmm. right um but you you can't just because it starts off wrong you can't close the door on You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because you'll never get to the blessing part of it, right? Yeah. And your story is a prime example of that, right? I'm sure, I know what it's like to run around your whole life not knowing anything about you. And then the minute, like you, the minute I decide to build this relationship with the person Jesus, then this floodgate opens up, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And you just get everything, and you're like, wow, I guess you do love me. Yeah. Right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I so I get that and I, I'm just thrilled by by your story and uh, and now even more so now birthright le- living legacy makes all the sense in the world to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It does, it does. So but so, there's
1: there's two other aspects that she didn't get to. Um one is the letter
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then the gift he gave you at our wedding.
2: Yeah, so so I guess I'll catch you up on that now since you're questioning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking for, and I'll just give this to you because I need you to know how intentional my father was. How how. He made absolute sure that his dying wish would be on his deathbed. If nothing else happened, his daughter knew she was without a doubt loved, cherished, and desired. And that desire, let me tell you, that goes above and beyond. Uh, that did a lot in my heart. And so, so anyways, I'm looking for the deed to his house and I'm searching everything. And, you know, his filing system is a lot like mine. I'm a lot like my dad. Uh, so, you know, I'm searching everything cereal boxes, you know. <laughs> And so I go through all the filing cabinets, couldn't find nothing. And then there's this box in his closet, which has another box, which has another box. And then one more box. And then inside of that last box is a fireproof box. And I'm thinking, all right, well, he was for sure making sure nobody (laughs) stole this, you know. So then I opened that box. And the only thing in that fireproof box was a written letter to me and then a what do they call floppy disk? Yeah. Like, you know, them old school square. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, a floppy disk version of that letter. And so in that letter, he, at the time that he wrote it, had committed to himself. He was going to face his fears and 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 find me and try to build a relationship with me. So he also wrote it into the context of if you decide you don't want a relationship with me, I understand you could hate me, and and I'm willing to face that too, but let me give you these gifts of wisdom. Seek help, because you're gonna have pains and wounds that you won't even know how to deal with, so it's not, don't be ashamed to ask for help." Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to tell me things about me today, the crystal that I am today, my personality, and I'm thinking, this man never knew me, yet he could accurately depict years before I even hit adulthood who I would be as an adult. Wow. If that doesn't tell you how our maker makes the perfect design, you know what I mean? Like, I am genuinely a part of my father. And that was so evident as he was depicting parts of my personality, parts of my behaviors. I was just blown away. And again, just gave me that sense of Finally, like I get where mm. I came because I was always the oddball. I'm the mm. only mixed one in my family. I'm the only kind of quirky, saucy one in my family, you know. And it all came from him. Mm. And so, so yeah, that was hey, the hey, letter. Do,
0: do you know how many children in this country, how many adults in this country that s- spend a lifetime looking for what you just got? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's. Every I looked for it for right, years. Right. You know see what I'm saying? Right. And Same then, here. Oh my God, yeah. man! Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That <laughs> no, no, right, just you're jumped right. out at me, man.
2: Yeah, I'm telling you, it's you know, and and it, when you had said earlier something about you know people look at the negative, I had people come to me and say, "Well, you know, aren't you mad about God bringing him through His death? You never got to know Him." And you know what? It mm. the closure I got, you just can't you can't put contingencies on God's processes. Mm. I never would have been in that house had it not been for God. So who am I to go back and Amen. question how you did it Amen. and why you did it the way yes, you did it? Yes, I just yes, praise yes. you that you did
1: do yes, it. Yes, and yes, And it didn't leave any room for disappointment.
2: Mm. You know
1: what I mean? Because I, I just remember when I met my dad for the first time, how underwhelmed I
2: was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not his fault. Right. It was because you know, I learned fatherhood from Hallmark videos, from TV mm-hmm. commercials, from mm-hmm. the Huxtables, you know, yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. where you can solve a problem with a commercial even break. Even, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that that's not real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I put these unrealistic expectations on him. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, the beauty in that. And then the other intentional part, uh, I remember Crystal calling me and telling me she had to take me to her Jesus spot because she had this, uh, you know. Her father had left something for her, Mm. and uh, it was right after I had proposed. And uh, yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, Marquise and I actually were watching this documentary on biblical times and marriage. And um, so when I was when I was there with my father, finally found the deed. Turns out, deed was already in my name. I didn't even have to pursue anything legal. And then when I find that out, I find that he had a savings account saved for me had over $10,000 saved in it, you know? And I'm thinking, and it's already in my name, so I didn't have mm. to wire, transfer, nothing. Mm. Like it was, it was just, everything was already done. Mm. And so when I when I found that, I was like, okay, God, well, I don't know what this money is for, but I ain't finna touch it. Like, this has got way too much on it for me <laughs> to be like, hey, let me go on a shopping right, spree, right, you know right, what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And so it just sat in my savings account. Mind you, I didn't know my husband. I didn't even, I had no desire to get married or even have a family prior to my father coming Facts. back into my life. Like, <laughs> I was ready to go on mission internationally, single crystal, loving life. That was my jam. Um, and then my dad came in, you know, and and helped me n- help me take the time to look and see what was in my Mm. heart, not in my mind Mm. and what I had told myself I needed to be. Mm. So save that money. You know, uh, what is it? what we met for him four years after that, I think yeah, I about like... four years after I had been reconnected through my father's passing with my father. Um, I had just been pursuing God and asking him what's next. You know, I've got a heart to go out of the country. God, I'm like, okay, I've got these four countries that will say they want me on their team. Which one do you want to do God? And he said, Tulsa. And I said, like, Oh, Okay, you know, like maybe that's your Judas Maria, and then the end of the earth. Because I was in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, so Tulsa was an hour drive, and okay. I was like, "That's not, that's not what I was thinking." But okay, you know, the day I moved there, uh, 16 hours later, I met this man in a coffee shop line, and that's how he begins to tell me about Birthright Living Legacy. I knew God had told me to go to that specific coffee shop, had no clue why, and then he tells me he starts his organization. Now that's
1: going to take another I'm hour and a half to tell that great. story. Hold on. But let's just, let's just say we we got met and got married in 86 days.
2: Right. And, and so while we're in this 86-day process, I am losing my mind. You know, again, I'm trying to go to another country. Now you're going to give me this man. Now you're going to tell him I'm supposed to marry him. You know, so there's a lot to process. So I go to my Jesus spot and I'm like, God, what are you doing? What is happening here? And so I'm just trying to get myself situated with my Heavenly Father. And God says haven't I been preparing you for this you know Mm. and so I'm looking back at these past four years one with my father opening up in my heart allowing me to see you know what I actually genuinely did desire and so there's several things that he had done in between that but then the last thing was didn't I give you the money for your wedding? Isn't it what I've been showing you in this documentary that the father of the bride gets to honor the wedding by paying for the wedding? And so with that, my father not only paid for our wedding, paid for my dress, paid for our honeymoon, you know, and that was all because he saved that money for me.
1: Mm. Yeah. So mind you, I'm walking out there. She's just Got her little spiral in hand, and I was like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening right now? And she sits down and she says, so I've decided that I know what I'm going to use the money for. And I was like, what? She was like, that money that I've been saving for my dad. She never told me how much it was. She just said my dad left me an account. And I just, okay. Mm. And then the crazy thing is the wedding venue that we had decided on I had just gone there for a conference, and I called her. I said, you know, there's this place that I want to get married at, if ever, you know, that comes up. Mm -hmm. And so I started describing the place, and she was like, you know, I had said I wanted to get married at a place like that. But it's in Tulsa, located in this area. I was like, that's the same place. (laughs) And it was exactly enough. Uh, it was during COVID, like mm-hmm. you know, we had mm-hmm. 300 people crash our wedding. It yeah. was, it was, it was just crazy. Yeah. But it was, it, you know, God was dripping all over mm-hmm. our meeting, mm-hmm. and so it's just one of those things where the tragedy. This is where you know when we when we read the scriptures and they get to come to life to say He uses all things. Amen. Come on for Amen. His good. Amen. And so that's where I love the journey of how this process has gone, even hearing your story, you know, it's, it's just evident. Like he is, he, he doesn't waste any energy Mm. on anything.
0: Man, if you love him and he loves you. Yeah. Which I haven't been able to find out a reason (laughs) that he doesn't love us. Right. 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 Um, Then you, you don't have anything to worry about. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I just, my favorite word is just stay out of his way. Yes. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's I find that's where most of my headaches come
2: from. <laughs> I, try I get in his way. You know what I mean? So,
0: but so so Marquise, um, tell me your story. We've heard Crystal. I, this is this is this is pretty good. Tell me your story. Yeah.
1: So my story starts in uh, Turley, Oklahoma, which is you know like if you could just think of the black hole of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so north side is the uh, the rough side. Mm-hmm. But then when you go deeper, deeper north, there's dirt. Mm. And that's the uh, the hood of all hoods, if you will. Mm. Uh, in the middle of the 80s, you know, crack academic has taken place. Um, and so, you know, everyone around me is either using or selling. And so, of course, as a kid, you don't know. You don't right. know any better. Um, you know, mom was dating some guys. Um, you know, to me, I just thought it was normal life. Um, then, you know, cataclysmic happens. Mom gets, uh, you know, put in a situation due to some people that she was around, goes to jail for about a week. Um, she gets out next thing you know, we move. So we moved to the suburb called Broken Arrow. Mm. And I went from being the only, uh, the, I'd never seen any white people to only seeing white people. Mm. And I thought to myself, I was like, why is their life so different? This is the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I walked into a gym. They're playing these uh, Mario 3 warp whistles that I found out are called recorders. And I was like, this is a a gym? Like, what is going on? They're juggling in the corner. I was like, oh, man, I don't know where I'm at, but this is like Disneyland right Uh now. So went from there, you know, all the while not having my real father in my life. And one of the things that sucks about living in a city town, you know, you guys don't have that problem here in Seattle. The city town is you're too big to be a a, a town, but too small to be a city. So you're right in that middle sweet spot. The problem with that is, is everybody knows everyone. Uh So I used to have my aunt and just people that would drive by and be like, boy, you look just like your dad. Man, you look, you act just like, and I was like, well, where is he? Uh How come everybody gets to know who he is but me? (laughs) And I used to remember being so angry, you know, that it was like, wow, he's sending these people. Because in my mind, he sent them over Uh here to say this. Uh And I was like, bro, you know, I don't want nothing to do with this guy. And so, as a man, you're taught through societal pressures that you're unaffected is what you're supposed to portray, Uh is Uh that you're unaffected.
0: Especially in black community. Woo! You know what I mean? Stand up, man, little man, get over it. Get
1: over it, man, what kind of of dude is you? Yep. You're a know, mama's boy. Yep. No, I'm a, the only person that I know that loves me boy. And she just happens to be the person, you know? And so uh grew up, you know, watching gangs and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know that, you know, like I said, I didn't know that stuff was wrong. Mm. to me you know when i i spoke a couple years ago at a place uh they were doing a fundraiser for some you know some people back in town some underprivileged kids i said you know they had all these newscasters in there i said what you guys call breaking news i used to call everyday life mm. and i didn't realize the trauma and the anger and all the stuff that was building up i just thought it was what it was supposed to be mm-hmm. well fast forward i'm in this stage of adolescence of course you know where a man is supposed to learn from his father how to be how to act how to interact uh, and I don't have one so the only thing to do is to assimilate to the people that are around me The people that are around me are drug dealers the people that are around me are womanizers the people that are around me are doing things uh, that I see in the videos and in the rap music that I'm listening to at the time it's like 93 94 time mm-hmm. uh, my mom was very specific on dating guys that she could control. Uh-huh. So you can only imagine what kind of dude that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All I knew was I definitely don't want to be that. <laughs> you know, how dare you be a guy to move in with a single mother and you can't provide? We, You got to move into our apartment. That's right. how I thought about right. it. Right. And so – uh lo and behold you know of course that stuff takes a toll on you after a while and then so you either become a people pleaser or you become someone that is adding his value from outside and so that's what i chose to do is i chose to be funny which uh in the in the schools they call a class clown so that got me in a lot of trouble Uh, but then on top of that i was broke so i had to learn how to hustle so once i learned how to hustle you know, I would do stuff like, you know, the uh, the lemonade stands and all that kind of stuff. And then I kind of put it on the side. And then, you know, I used to do these little in-between deals like you needed it. I know who's got it. So I would get it. Mm-hmm. One of my OGs pulled me over one day and said, hey, man, you know, they're handing out the same amount of time. And I said, what? He said, if you get caught in one of your little friendship hookups, you going to jail for the same amount of time. He said, you better be able to say that you got as much money and had as much fun as you possibly could. It went right over my head. Mm. At the time, I'm thinking, oh, man, this dude is crazy. Uh So then, you know, tragedy strikes. I got kid number one. Kid number one comes out of the blue, me making a mistake. You say a mistake, but I made some choices that put me in a situation uh, to where I have my first child. So – In the process of trying to be a church guy, you know, I'm with this uh, person who put me in this compromising situation, took advantage of me while I was asleep. Um, But because of my testimony and because I shared it with some individuals, they used that against me later and said, oh, you must have been doing something wrong. You were lying. You had to be lying. And I said, but if I told you about this stuff freely, why would I lie to you about it now? They're like, "Well, you're just a wolf in sheep's clothing, you must be a predator, so we have to get rid of you." so I said, okay. and that was the church. this is the church okay so I said okay if that's if that's what y'all expected of me anyway, right, I might as well live up to it.
0: I remember making that same Boom. decision. It wasn't the church, it was just community that yeah. put me my back up against the wall,, right. and I said,
1: "Well, I'm gonna sign on the dotted line. that's
0: it. I remember saying that, yeah, you
1: know what I mean, <laughs> yeah." And I, re- I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And so in that particular situation, now I got kid number two on the way. So with kid number two, anybody that's ever been through child support, no, they ain't giving no breaks. So I decided, oh, man, I'm going to go get some assistance. I'm going to go get some help. Nothing. They said, oh, child support's not our problem. And I said, what do you mean? They said, we got to count your money before child support. And I said, so you mean to tell me, you see, I make no money, but you expect me to pay child support and that's not your problem. you right. So I go back to the uh, bank to try to withdraw some money because I'm like, all right, this is my one time that I'm going to write this hot check to get me through this next. Because I had an uh, injury when I was welding. I got in a car wreck, damaged my shoulder. I couldn't weld anymore. So go in to write my check. When I write the check, the lady at the bank, she says. Mr. Dennis, you're already $257 negative. And I mean, that was my, the bank starts swirling. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so I just happened to be on the phone with a young lady at the time. I just hung up on her. I didn't even, I was just like, I mean, it was like a, a for real dynasty moment. I was like,
0: no, <laughs> in the middle of the bank.
1: So the phone rings and this young lady calls me back and she was like, hey, Marquise, listen. I know you don't sell drugs, but I got a friend of mine that said he'd give you a quarter, a quarter pound just based on my name for $225. And I said, $225? I said, even if I did sell drugs, I can get it way... Cheaper
0: than that.
1: Hold on. <laughs> I said, let me call you back. Hung up the phone, made a phone call, I said, be at my house in 10 minutes and bring something. My man was on the <laughs> other line. He said, what? I said, bring it. Hung up the phone. He comes to my house. He's like, he laughing and chuckling. He's like, What's up? I said, Man, I need something. I'm broke. I need it, I need to make something. Shake and bake. And he said, Well, Marquise, if anybody could do it, it's you. Uh-huh. And he gave me a quarter pound for $125. And I said, Okay, 225 is what I can make. Let's go. And I was like, That's not enough money to pay uh-huh. my bills. Uh-huh. So I went to a friend of mine's house after I started, you know, getting going. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you know, I sell weed now. And he was like, oh, yeah, how much? And I told him how much he was like. And he just started giving me these math problems. He was like, well, if you do this and it's 16 ounces to a pound and this, this and this and quarters of Saxon, and this and that, how much is that? And I didn't have a clue what he said, but my mind said 800. So I said 800. He said, exactly. And I said, wait. <laughs> I must be smarter than I think. <laughs> and so I said, okay, 800, let me work that back. Let me say this. You know that was the hook, though, right? Yeah, it was the hook. That was the hook. That was the hook. That was the hook. So when I figured out the math on that, then uh-huh. I realized, okay, let's do this. If this is what we're going to do. So I started to model myself after business before I knew that was a thing. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, you know, what are the problems that I'm going to solve? And so I solved the three problems and I figured out I didn't want to kill nobody. So how do I set up a business where I can sell drugs and I have to do this? So I had this whole niche that oh. I went after. So within a year, the guy I bought from was buying from me. Oh. And so that was when I started to realize, like, maybe I'm underestimating the abilities that I have. Oh. And so as I started to process and then I got into another situation with my third child, I realized that it was such a volatile situation. And I thought to myself, I said, man, wouldn't it be great if I could be a dad all the time? Like not when she's not mad at me or when she's not dating somebody or like what would it take for me to be able to be a dad all the time? And then the first time I ever heard this voice, I said, "Okay, well, what would that look like? And I said, huh now mind you at the time nobody ever told me god sounded a lot like me they always told me it was this very ominous hollywood version but i was like i know at the time i was smoking a blunt so i had no idea that i didn't ask that question i thought i was having a whole conversation with myself so i created this center in my head called birthright living legacy at the time it was just living legacy Uh and so i tried to figure out what are all the hurdles a father would have to overcome in order for a court system to say No matter what, ma'am, as long as that child is in this building, you better bring that kid and let that father have absolute rights with his child. Mm -hmm. So I had to think through what that process was. So then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this now as a kid from the hood that don't know any better. I don't know about grants, loans. I don't know nothing. So my first call is how do I raise that much money? I got to get this product cheaper. So we start. Fishing out the cartel, so I start sending money. Uh, My girlfriend at the time made some connections over in Mexico. That's where she was from. Next thing you know, put in a call. My man said, "Send me the money. I'll get you 800 pounds." Bet. So I send the money. I said, "Hey man, where my stuff?" He didn't come through with it. He said, "Oh, the driver drove off." Second time, I said, "Hey, you better. (laughs) This one better. This one better make it." Right. And then he said. Man, the guy ran out. He said, don't worry about it. I'm on my way. So I went to Mexico looking for this guy. Mm -hmm. So when I get to Mexico, one of the other guys that she had connected me with uh, when we were in the process of shopping around, he sits down. He said, wait, what are you doing here? So I explained to him. Well, she explained to him because I don't speak Spanish. Uh She said, well, you know, we sent the money to this guy. He was supposed to give us 800 pounds. And he said, wait, what? He sent that money over here? And he said in English, he said, did you know that guy? I said, no, I don't know him. She know him. He said, man, we've been looking for somebody we can trust in Oklahoma specifically. Mm. Go be a tourist tonight. Meet me tomorrow. All right. So we go out on the town, come back the next day. He sits down, the head of cocaine, the head of uh, marijuana, the head of all of the pills, methamphetamines, all that. They say, listen, this is what we supposed to do. We're going to make you our hub spot in Oklahoma. All you got to do, you never have to sell drugs again. I was like, where's my 800 pounds? <laughs> I don't care nothing about what y'all talk about. Give me my weed. And so they was like, no, nah, we're going to send you everything. You just have to house it. And so I was like, whatever, man, just give me my weed and we're good. So next thing you know, a couple months passed as we're getting everything set up and ready to go. Next thing you know, they send me to New Mexico to go meet the guy that's gotta bring everything. So I go meet him. I'm sitting down with this dude, and I was like, man, it's the police. And so my girlfriend's like, no, you don't understand. He's a cartel. I said, listen, this dude speak better English than me. That's the police. And she was like, no. Lo and behold, they come back two weeks later, feds, FBI, CIA, ATF, ICE, every, every alphabet boy you can name, they there and so they got ar15s pointed at me and they they Get on the know so i said all right god i hear you mm. and the guy comes up to me he says i see on your card you're a motivational speaker and i was like yeah he said what would you tell yourself i said well remember what they say about easy you know there ain't no such thing yeah so he says yeah so i go to i go to jail when I'm in the, in the county is when I start to have my revelation, when I start to realize some things that just don't add up in my life. And so I can't draw to save my life. So I started making these doodles. But every time I'm doodling, I keep doodling a phone and a, a stick figure guy holding a phone or phones. And I was like, just answer the call. I just need to answer the call. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to go ahead and answer the call. And I remember I walked upstairs one day. And this gentleman that- This just, is in prison. This is in jail. Oh, this is okay. in jail. We still in, in county. Okay. There was this gentleman that was there. He always had a shirt off, walked around. He had Turley Boy across the back of his shirt. Uh-huh. And he said he was from California. So I was like, how did- So I just never really paid attention to dude. One day out of nowhere, he just stops me. He says, can you be perfect? And I was like, uh, no. And he was like, can you be perfect? And I said- Man, I I guess not, no. And he said, well, explain this then. He hands me a piece of paper and walks away. Now, when, they, when I grab the paper, I go past his cell. He's got little things written all over his cell, like a movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this dude is crazy. Get to my room. He's got Job 1. And I, so I opened Job 1 and read and it and said, Job was perfect. and The perfect man in his generation. Mm-hmm. And I said, huh. Well, I guess you can be perfect, mm. but I it helped me redefine what perfection meant in that verse. What it meant was he was perfect in God's will, not perfect in the same way that Jesus was. That didn't sin. He was perfect in God's will. He followed what he was supposed to do. So yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta answer the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I get through, I'm trying to tell my lawyer, man, I'm I'm gonna make it out. He said, oh no, you ain't going, you going to prison. He said, we just trying to find out for how long. And I was like, no, you don't understand. He goes, no, I listen to me. I'm telling you. You go into prison. I'm just here to tell you how long. And I said, dang. So anyway, long story short, I get sentenced to 51 months. Um, due to my point structure in the feds, you don't get. Yeah, it don't matter what you do unless you snitching that that scale ain't ain't going nowhere. (laughs) nowhere. The first thing they said to me was, do not get a lawyer. You getting what you got coming. Uh And I said, all right. So I had 21 points. So they gave me 51 months, 41 to 51. They gave me the max. Uh So I said, "Okay." So I went to prison. Uh, And then it's a real tough place to try to serve God, you know, because in prison, the first question is, why now? Why do you want to serve God now? Why do you want to follow the rules now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a hard, it's a real hard struggle. But, you know, I'm trying to navigate that.
0: Describe quickly as possible the the prison you were in.
1: So so I'm at the FCI in Florence, Colorado. So at that compound, there is the uh, Federal Supermax, which is the ADX the USP, which is the U.S. Penitentiary. Um, and then you have the medium, uh, which is the FCI, and then the camp. So I went from the camp to the FCI, back to the camp, back to the FCI okay. several okay. times. Right. And so uh, ended up getting into an altercation with my celly. Um, he thought just because I smiled a lot that I was weeks off, and he had to find out. Um, and so he found out. And so I was just like, you know, while I was in there, in the hole, I got a chance to learn the voice of God. Mm. And that was when I started to identify what that really was. Mm. Uh, There was two distinct situations that happened. Well, with my celly, I got into it. Me and him fought, and he beat me with a bat. And so when I tell you beat me, I mean he hit me for at least 20, 30 times. Not a scratch on me. Mm. Stood up. Dusted myself off, started walking. The whole yard has stopped because they like how on earth did this dude just get beat with a bat and now he's walking. And so as I'm walking, I hear this voice that said, stop. I told you, follow what I tell you or you will die here. And when I tell you my whole body shuddered, and I was like, okay. And so then after I get done with that, I take a couple more steps. And he said, I told you, I didn't send you here to make friends. Do what I tell you or you will die here. And so I said, okay. So then after I get out of the hole the third time, I said, all right, God, why did you bring me here? This is what he said to me. He said, I told you when you were 11, you were coming. And I was like, what? And it was like a real live movie. I had a flashback to where I was standing uh-huh. on a grate in those apartment complexes. And I stood there and I heard a voice that said to me, You're going to go to prison someday. And I said, Prison? Man, I don't even do nothing to go to prison. Well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Uh-huh. And then I flashed back and I was right there at that prison. And I said, Wow, you did. <laughs> and I said, Okay. Well, if that's the case, God, why am I here? And he said, when else are you going to be able to have 1,500 men to interview? And so I said, okay, let's find out. Uh-huh. So I spent my, the rest of my time interviewing guys. Tell me the favorite part about being your father's son. Uh-huh. And based on how they answered that question, you know I could almost happened? tell you to a T what that crime was. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Father, listeners. It's an epidemic. Yes, man. Yes, man. You got to see it from the inside out. Inside out. A whole lot of folks don't get that opportunity. Oh yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Hey man, so um tell me, how did you guys pull the trigger on birthright? What 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 culminated for you guys? Cause I mean, two dynamic stories, so and I know to do a father program, you gotta have dynamics, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so tell me, how did you pull that together? And tell me what it was like working working the first first month, first couple months, first Ooh. year.
1: Man, so well, I'll, so how it came together was, God gave me the vision while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of tucked it away that I'm gonna use this one day when I get rich. Mm-hmm. I'll give back with this. Uh, I sat down with a guy, had coffee. He was a speaker at an event. Said, hey man, let's have coffee. Went to have coffee. He was like, hey man, what do you work so hard for? And I said, What do you mean? I need to be rich. I need to, you know what I'm saying, provide for the family, do the things. He was like, I don't believe you. What are you what are you working so hard for? So I'm like trying to come up with something to impress him. Uh-huh. So I said, Well, I mean, one day I plan on creating this first right living legacy center. He goes, Well, what's that? So I tell him about the fatherhood program that I had tucked away. Uh He said, well, why don't you do that? And I was like, well, first of all, because I don't know anybody that would be able to help me with that process. And, you know, I don't even know how you can't start a nonprofit out of nowhere. He said, well, you know me. I said, this is the second time I've ever seen you in my life. (laughs) I don't know that that constitutes as asking for favors. And he said, well, hey. Calls his wife from the other side of the Starbucks and says, hey, come here. Listen to this. Hey, tell her what you just told me. So I tell her the story. She was like, oh, yeah, we can start that which weekend. I said, hey, (laughs) listen, I I appreciate your excitement, but you can't start a nonprofit out of nowhere. Now, mind you, she has her own. She goes, sure you can. And I can help you do it. I was like, man, y'all are tripping. So I leave that meeting. Go meet with another brother two days later. And I was like, man, let me tell you about these crazy people I just (laughs) met the other day. They talking about, you know, this, I'm, you know, I'm planning on starting this fatherhood program one day. And they talking. He said, oh, yeah, that'd be great because then I can introduce you to this person at DHS and this, this, and this. I said, hey, hey, are you listening to me? You can't just start a nonprofit out of nowhere. He said, sure you can. I said, obviously, something is going wrong. Now, mind you, I was a GM at a 7 Uh, I was a regional manager of this uh, cleaners at the time. Dry Uh cleaners is what I did when I got out of prison. Took over that whole operation two days after I had this conversation. Well, one day after I had that conversation, I got fired from that job. The lady came to me and said, oh, well, I mean, you set up too many systems and processes, so I can kind of just step into the business now. I don't really need you. It's going to look like I kind of used you well. I mean I guess I kind of did but yeah and so I was like okay cool and so she goes she don't know
0: she friend you she are. has no idea
1: and so I said I said you know I said I don't have access to your money and I'm not a crooked dude I said so all you're going to find out a year from now is that you actually had somebody that really understood business that really cared about making sure that you won I said but it's okay all I do is control people so enjoy that and you know that this must mean that god has something else for me So fast forward, I'm in the process of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Get a prophecy that I don't know my wife because I was chasing this girl for a a while. This girl has this whole thing. She was like, you don't know your wife. You're not going to meet her till you do what you're supposed to do. So she goes off on me. I was like, whoa, you're tripping. So a little bit more details, but, you know, in the forsake of cutting down time. So then. I start birthright, I said, you know, me and my mom and sister went into prayer for three days, fasting and prayer, no food, just water and the word. And we hear both, you know, separately, we all hear both. So I'm supposed to work and I'm supposed to do birthright, start it. So I go ahead and I start the process. The day I go to make it real, I go to the bank to do it. Now, mind you, at this time, I'm training to be a regional, regional manager for Aspen Dental. So I'm about to take over like six locations. I don't know anything about dentistry mm. and they have no idea that I have a felony. And so they don't even hire felons. But the way God orchestrated that Amen. was a whole nother Amen. thing. Amen. And so I'm trying to cram all this information, all this stuff out at the same time. So I'm exhausted. Go to the, the, the bank with my attorney. Uh, to go fill out the thing because it's the first day COVID had opened this bank, first day that uh, they'd opened since COVID. I'm in there falling asleep. I'm nodding off. He was mm-hmm. like, bro, you represent Christ. You wake up right now. <laughs> and I said, bro, I'm exhausted. I said, when we leave here, we're going to have to cut it till next week because I only had half a day on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So then I go to, uh, go to sleep at the house. And on the process of trying to go to sleep, I hear a voice that say, go sleep in your car. I said, I'm not supposed to go sleep in my car. What are you talking about? This bed right here. So I was like, well, maybe he's trying to tell me I need to go do some work. So I'm about to go upstairs and do some work. Go back. And he said, no, go sleep in your car because I was supposed to be at this drive through birthday party. Oh so I was like, listen, I don't know what's going on, but it better be worth it. Drive to that bakery and I meet Crystal. Mm. And as I met Crystal, I said, So, what brings you to Tulsa? She was like, I just moved here, you know. I said, what brings you to Tulsa? She said, Jesus. I said, well, let's talk about it. (laughs) And so, as we're in the process of doing that, there's a lot of other details. I'll spare you those for now. But she takes a picture and sends me. A picture of us, you know, having this coffee that I just paid for with her friend. She accidentally sends me a picture of her dad holding her on his shoulder. Mm. And that's what started the conversation. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Man. behold.
1: Hey, man. Isn't God
0: amazing how he creates stuff? You know yes. I mean? We, we just, we're just <laughs> knights on a chessboard. You yeah. know, <laughs> know what I'm He yeah. just moves around, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, man, I, I, I really appreciate you guys being here. Listen, uh, this won't be the first time we have this conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sure of it, right? Yeah. Um, you guys have been wonderful guests. Um, we've been able to share and exchange a lot of information. Um, you have me at your beck and call. Hey, I if appreciate there's any way that I can help both of you guys. I think I'm the one who's getting the best of the deal
2: <laughs> nah, <laughs> so, we would argue that. yeah
0: we we'll argue that one for sure, <laughs> but it's it's just it's just um it's just been a great opportunity to fellowship and to hear that you know one of the things God told me a long time ago over twenty five years ago he said three things: don't go looking for uh anything. What you need, I'll bring to your door. I've heard that throughout your story. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, don't charge anybody anything for your services, Marvin, and we don't. And then the third thing he said, what I give you, give it away. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've been committed to do. But this is probably the first time in giving away that I've had more fun in giving away <laughs> than anything, right? You know what I mean? And so to see how God brought you. To see, we, little do you know, I've only met this brother and sister over the telephone. Yeah. And, and he said he called me for a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stocked you on LinkedIn. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. you know, none of the things I use, I'm there and I'd send a message that I'm probably on it all the time, but never have I ever uh my kids and my wife they always posted my stuff for me right um but the phone call and there are a couple people that i, I know in the country or dear friends of mine, right i love um walking with people right and so i have some people that i walk with uh, it's been my journey in life to walk with them and so one of them called and said you need to talk to this guy right I was like, okay, okay. He said, no, you need to call him right now. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, I'll call him right now, right? But I had no idea that, and this is a dear friend of mine, Doug Burley. Uh, and for, I mean, if I have to call him and tell him what's the best phone call I've ever, Amen. you've ever pointed to me to yeah. do, right? Um, so with that being said, man, I just want to tell you, both of you guys, how much I appreciate you guys being here. Um, and anything that we can do on this end of the country, uh, you have us at your beck and call, and I can't wait to touch down in Tulsa.
1: Yes, you know what I mean. That's what yeah. I'm and
0: uh, about. just you know, um, let's do it there too. Let's you know what I mean. Fatherhood, I tell people all the time, especially in this particular podcast, that fatherhood costs this country a hundred billion dollars a year. Yeah. And I just now realize we can chop that down some. You know what I mean? Yeah. So your hand is in my hand and vice versa, my brother. Okay. Amen to that. Thank you, Crystal and Marquise, for being with us today. Uh, I think this is probably one of the best podcasts we've had. And uh, I'm excited about what the audience will say and feel about this. And then I, I got my nephew here, so he says he knows how to post it
1: on YouTube and all that. So we just gonna we got a bunch of other areas that we're gonna be able to be focused on, right? I just I just got this 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 inclination that somebody in Myron's family is gonna hear this mm. and reach out to Crystal. So mm-hmm. if you do, definitely find us birthrightlivinglegacy.org, dot org and and. And let us know, because we would love for her to be able to have that, and this be the catalyst,
2: yeah, to it.
1: Because I don't know if you guys, a lot of people don't understand, man. They have proximity, so they they they, they discount because they're close to you. But this Jordan over here, man, like, <laughs> like I'm I'm over here like excited, like to be able to see what you've done in the last 25 years. And to be so humble and accessible Mm. is, listen, Mm. it it speaks volumes Mm. of what not only your legacy is, but your living legacy and what you will leave. And we are grateful to be here.
2: Thank you so much for having us. Yes.
0: So listen, uh, our website is aboutdads.org. And uh, just hit us about dads this is dads in seattle washington saying so long thank you for this opportunity and we'll see you our next podcast thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of color him dads we hope today's episode has
2: helped with your own struggles be sure to check back next week for another new episode with marvin and jeanette until then have a blessed week